Amen. Mary's all fired up. <laughs> Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Um, uh, specifically to, uh, to my mama out there. Mama Peaches, I love you. Happy Mother's Day to my wife. Happy Mother's Day and to everybody else out there. Uh, it's National Love Your Mama and Teach Her How to Live Stream Day. So share that love with everyone. Uh, excited as always to be with you guys today and to be in the Word together. Um, as Mary was sharing and talking about uh, even giving and, and resourcing uh, the kingdom, I was thinking about our church, thinking about our ministries and the ways that people have been doing um, serving during this time rather than finding excuses not to serve. Uh, thinking about our children's church and we're getting weekly messages and, uh, and challenges for our kids and, and packets our kids can be doing and dances they're doing. Uh, thinking about um, our cleaning and our supplies ministry, reaching out and asking people, can we come? Can we help you? Is there anything you need, anything you can't find? And uh, just this last weekend, it was really special for us. Our, uh, our photography and media ministry decided to do uh, drive-by photo shoots in our homes or outside of our homes. And uh, so they came by and, and uh, took family pictures of us. And it was just great to feel that connection. Great to see um, these leaders finding ways to serve. You know, she said a minute ago, whether you have or you don't have, whether you have an abundance or a lack, um, so whether we're able to gather in the church or not, we can still love each other and we can still care for each other. And uh, it's just special to be able to see that. So I want to thank all of our ministries and ministry leaders um, for doing that and, and thinking that way. Uh, such a blessing. So I want to welcome everybody to the fourth week of our series, Things We Lost in the Fire. And uh, when we started this series, I told you that I wasn't sure how long it was going to go. You know, maybe it'd be a one-week series. Maybe it'd be uh, where we are now. We're at four weeks already. And uh, it's a lot like the coronavirus, how, you know, the coronavirus is the backdrop to this series of this fire, this flame, things that we're losing because of it. But uh, that uncertainty about how long this was going to last. You know, back in early March, we thought it might be a week or two. Right. We were told, hey, you're going to have to shelter in place and and, you know, a couple weeks this will pass and, and we'll be back out. Then we were told uh, mid-April and we saw how uh, that affected Easter. Right. We thought, oh, we'll be back by Easter. We're definitely going to be back by Easter. And then what did we end up with? Fire at Easter. <laughs> Nobody thought it would continue this long, but here we are. And now we have a Mother's Day fire. So that's actually the, the, the subtitle to our, our message this week is A Mother's Day Fire. Things we lost in the fire. So I saw a picture uh, in my mind, in my heart from, from the Lord, I believe, uh, this morning of a house on fire. And God showed me how we are devastated as we look at something like that. Our, our adrenaline begins to rush. We begin to think of things we need to grab. We're trying to put the fire out and we're looking as it spreads maybe through the house and this emotion that we go through. You know, we see the kitchen on fire, but we turn all of our focus and attention to putting it out so that it doesn't spread to other areas of the house and damage more things. I saw the way that we're able to consider and hope 
that the next room or the next area of the house will survive and escape the flames, right? We recognize how bad it is right here, right now, but at the same moment we're fighting that fire, we're thinking, you know what, maybe this will be the extent of it. I saw uh, finally uh, a couple, you know, holding hands and holding each other and crying and, and they're outside on the curb looking at the house and uh, the whole place has just gone up in flames, right? So oftentimes, I feel like the reason the Lord was, was sharing that with me is we can't really understand or maybe we just forget the value of our spouse. Maybe we don't understand or we just forget the value of our family and our friends until we're holding each other curbside and watching everything that we do value, everything we put our efforts into going up in flames. So we hear uh, these types of stories and we see it when we watch the news. You'll see people on the curb. The news camera is there with them. They're holding each other. And what are they saying? They're saying, we don't care about what we lost. What we care about is the fact that we're still alive and we're together and we're so happy our kids got out. We can replace all that stuff, but it takes the actual fire right and those and those news clips what you typically see is literally the house is right behind them still on fire or the smoke is still coming up from what's burned but that quickly they they have been able to change their whole perspective on life so i don't know about the rest of you but when it comes to this virus when it comes to this series uh, when it comes to our spiritual homes um, that we've been looking at every week uh, I think that there's that sense that it's still on fire. It's still burning. It's still hot. The, the smoke is still billowing up behind us. Um, but I've reached a point where I'm like, man, burn, baby, burn. <laughs> burn, baby, burn. Let, let it go. I'm no longer trying to say, maybe we can keep this from getting to the next area of life. Maybe we can keep this from getting to the next, uh, the next room. This next area of my, my, um, my life, the area of my relationships, the area of my job, whatever it might be, it's like at this point, burn, baby, burn. <laughs> I've lost all hope for any area of my life, any relationship that I have, um, any part of the church being able to escape these flames. And I think that's a good thing. I think what we've realized is that jobs, <laughs> Easter, birthdays, anniversaries, Mother's Day, nothing is exempt from this fire and nothing is actually fire retardant, <laughs> right? So personally, I love what I'm experiencing and uh, I love what I'm seeing others experiencing through this time. And that's why I say burn, baby, burn, right? Even in the scriptures where it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials or some of these tribulations are perfecting us, right? It doesn't mean that, that we're necessarily excited about the virus itself or we're necessarily excited about uh, the pain that we may have to go through, but we do understand that this is a process and that good things are coming from it. Of course, there's some people who are still out there acting a fool, right? Saying, I want my restaurants back. I'll kill if I have to to get access to this beach. But for the most part, I think what we're seeing are people grabbing a hold of each other grabbing a hold of our God 
and expressing great gratitude and joy for what matters most. Just like that couple or that family on the curbside and they're saying it's actually life and relationship that matters most. I think we're seeing that spirit rise up where people are saying, you know what, that's, that's true uh, in our spirituality, that's true in our world, even if there aren't physical flames in our homes, uh, life is what matters most. God is what matters most. Relationships are what matters most. So today, rather than preaching a traditional Mother's Day message, I decided to stay in our series um, because of a message I received actually from my mother a couple of days ago about Mother's Day. She uh, sent a message out to, to many of us and she said, I don't want flowers. What I want is unity within my family. And I want it to spread through all of my descendants, she says. Her kids, her grandkids, her great-grands, as she calls them, and all of their extended family. She went on in the message and she said, I don't want a fancy lunch. I don't want uh, gifts. And then she said, and if, if, I'm, if I'm not able to get the unity that I desire, what I would have you to do is I want you to find someone out there who's hungry. I want you to find someone out there who's lonely. I want you to find someone out there who's suffering and she says, for me, for Mother's Day, I want you to go and bless them. If you could picture uh, her saying these things, if you could picture what I'm thinking as I'm reading these things, again, what I could see is burn, baby, burn. <laughs> what most of us would have built a day like this upon, what most of us would desire, somehow has changed and shifted and no longer exists. And uh, it was very impactful for me. You could tell that she wanted the fire to burn unforgiveness within her family. She wanted the fire to burn separation and isolation within her family. And what she desired is that what would remain would be this purified gold of unity um, and love. She wanted her old desires, maybe for like most mothers, if we're honest, most people, but again, mothers today, uh, desires for attention, a uh, desire for recognition, right? I've done a lot for you, kids. The one day out of the year, I want it to be about me. Recognize what I've done for you. Acknowledge it. Show some appreciation. But again, her message says, I want all that stuff to burn up. What I actually desire, what I want to come out of this is the purified gold of Christ-likeness. What I want for my children and my grandchildren and my great-grands is for them to live in a way where they consider the needs of other people and they go out and bless them. I believe that that's what it means to be a mother. I believe that that's what it means to be a Christian. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So again, uh, things we lost in the fire and this is a Mother's Day fire. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for an opportunity to be in your house. I thank you for uh, the special grace and the special gift that you have poured out upon mothers, Lord, that you would uh, partner with them, Lord, to bring life into this world. It's something that is unique uh, to them, to your relationship with them, Lord, that no man has ever or will ever experience, Lord God. Knowing that you could have done that another way, you chose them to partner with you, Lord. We love that you're the God that chooses us. You choose us for salvation. You choose us for restoration. You choose us for help and for hope and for redirection and for transformation, Lord God. You say that we didn't choose you. You chose us, Lord God. You said that we didn't love you first. You loved us first. 
We're so grateful for who you are. We're so grateful that you continue that process with us, Lord God, that wherever we find ourselves, Lord, men, women, mothers, fathers, children, whoever we are and wherever we find ourselves, Lord God, that you are still faithful to your work within our lives. Lord, I ask that you would help us this morning to understand your word, to receive your word, Lord God, to seek you actively in this process of listening to your word, that we would be able to meet with you and dine with you and commune with you and be changed even in this very moment. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so in a minute, we're going to start off looking at uh, uh, the book of Proverbs chapter 31, but I want to talk about it before we get into it first. It's a story that's very popular, uh, especially amongst women. They love this, this story. T-shirts, tattoos, uh, wall art. It's Proverbs 31 is a big deal. Even in our church, so I'm not hating, our church, our women's ministry is referred to as 31 status. And it is a, uh, uh, and in honor of or in directing people to this Proverbs chapter 31. And, uh, but I think, we forget uh, that what's, what's written here is actually a story about a man. <laughs> and the man is reflecting on something that his mother taught him uh, when he was a child. His mother taught him some things about life, and his mother taught him some things about women. And uh, so I think it's fitting for, for Mother's Day to consider it that way. I also wanted to share this story as we look at something that I hope we've lost in the fire of this season of our lives, right? So number one this morning is I hope and I pray that we've lost superficiality. We've lost superficiality in this fire. See, I think that we're talking about things more now than ever, things that matter, right? We're telling our adult kids, like I mentioned, uh, to forgive each other. We're listening to the deep feelings of our younger kids. We're talking to our spouses every single day. And it's about more than just uh, what's for dinner tonight. <laughs> How was your day at work? We're finding ourselves no longer um, happy or, or sustained um, in surface level communication, conversation and relationship. We're losing superficiality and it's a good thing. Our relationships are getting off that surface. They're going deeper. This week, came to the church to do some things, and, and uh, the, the, uh, the cleaning team was here, and I was able to catch up with one of the ladies from the church, and we had this conversation. And a lot of times, conversations can stay brief, right? Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. How's everything going with you? How's the family? How's work? All right, good. God bless you. Have a good day. And we're, we're both off to do our own thing. We see that uh, uh, in a lot of our relationships and friendships, right? But for whatever reason, we started talking and it turned into a focused 10-minute conversation specifically about her kids and my kids. And we're talking about everything from school to um, attitudes to communication to uh, seeing their character in a different way during this time. And it's like, before, before I realized, I was like, man, we've been talking about this and I'm engaged in this, she's engaged in this. It was powerful. Next thing you know, we started talking about how our lives are being reordered and reprioritized and, and things that, that used to be important aren't nearly as important and, and we're finding joy in doing things that we were never even doing before. So again, our, our conversation wasn't just, hey, it's good to see you again. 
How are you doing? God bless you. Good night. <laughs> this week I was on a, a, a Zoom call with some of the, the men, the disciples in the church. And uh, we set it aside for an hour to, to go through some things and talk about some things. And, and it was not uh, a fully easy thing. Like sometimes we were just excited and blessed and talking about good things. And other times we were being challenged and wrestling with things. And we looked up and the hour had come and gone and nobody wanted to get off of the phone. Because there was this value for something deeper than just listening to the word maybe uh, in a church service. There was this value that we were, we were in the middle of receiving from God in a way that is not just the norm, right? Or the easy, or the, the wake up and read your daily devotional for five minutes. There's this desire that we're seeing that the superficial is burning up and people want more. So this story, as we look at it in Proverbs, is clearly um, a mother saying, look, son, I'm about to tell you like it is. I don't have time to say to you, son, uh, oh, she's nice. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. That's great. She's so pretty. Wonderful. Oh, oh son, what, whatever makes you happy. You, yeah, whatever makes you happy. Yeah, go ahead, son. Son, you know, you know don't, don't, let, don't let what I think really affect the decision that you're going to make. There's all kinds of different types of love, son. No, she says, let superficiality burn. Burn, baby, burn. <laughs> We're about to get off the surface. Go deep. And it was so impactful that this man that experienced this communication with his mother, eventually it gets to the writer of the proverb. And then God, um, in, his, in his providence, decides that he is going to... Um, maintain that for us and preserve that for us that here it is thousands of years later and we're still talking about it because when you talk about things that are not superficial and deep and impactful they last so here we go proverbs chapter 31 starting at verse 1 proverbs 31 verse 1 says the words of king lemuel the utterance which his mother taught him what my son and what son of my womb and what son of my vows do not give your strength to women nor your ways to that which destroys kings it is not for kings O Lemuel it is not for kings to drink wine nor for princes intoxicating drink lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. But open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth and judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trust her so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and she buys it. And from her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and, strength and strengthens her arms. She perce perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hand holds the spindle. 
She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and she does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and they call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Amen. So good. So again, most of us forget that this is a mother talking to a son and she's proclaiming these things. She's speaking about the deep things that are important. She is not staying on the surface or superficial. Those of us that uh, are familiar with the portion of scripture, we, we kind of forget that part of it and we just focus on these qualifications or characteristics of a virtuous woman or of a woman of God or the type of wife um, that we should be or that we should be looking for. So I wonder how many mothers out there have ever spoken these types of deep and challenging and bold words to their children. I wonder how many fathers, how many men out there have done so with their sons and with their daughters. Think about this. This is one conversation and she covers a lot of information, but it's not superficial. How many of us as parents are having this kind of conversation with our teenage daughters? with our teenage sons, with our young adults. This coronavirus fire has given us an opportunity to recognize surface level relationships in our parenting, surface level relationships in our marriages, surface level relationships in our friendships, surface level relationships in our ministries, where it's easy to serve God when we're coming once a week, you do your job, you do your job. No, that's surface level. What about our growth? What about our development? What about our discipleship? What about doing it when there's nobody to see you every week doing these things? What about when it costs you more to have to go to places and have to, have to use your resources to bless people? Burn, baby, burn. When I was uh, 22 years old, I had one of those moments where I was like, yeah, I want to talk to my dad. Called him up and I said, uh, dad, you know, I was thinking about you. I wanted to ask you, you know, what, what do you think about me? When you think about me, dad, what, what, what do you think about me? <laughs> I was looking for a little bit of encouragement. You know how it is when you, when you, uh, when you ask somebody a leading question, you're like, remember that one time when you were broke and, and I came through at the right time and I took you out, bought you lunch and then kicked you down with a few dollars. You know, I wanted to ask you if you can remember that, you know, what, what do you really feel about me as a person? <laughs> That's kind of how I came at my dad. Like, look, I, I want to ask you, what do you think about me, dad? I'm really looking for some encouragement here. And uh, he said, son, I wish you were a little bit sharper. <laughs> I said, what? 
Maybe, maybe you didn't hear what I was asking you or what I really came to you for here, Pops. But he said, son, I, I wish you were a little bit sharper. He said, basically, you are a pothead. You are a drug addict. You don't care about anybody or anything. And you are not aware of how bad it's gotten. But since you asked, let me go ahead and tell you. That was not superficial. That was not surface. It was also not what I was looking for, but it was what I needed to hear. See, I hadn't heard anything like that from anybody. All the friends that I have, all the relationships that I have at that point, and even when it's, 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 there's still some comparison there. This is the first time I'd even heard that from my own father for these ongoing issues in my life. But it had a huge impact upon me as I look back on it, right? So just like this, this man who's talking to his mother and, and he can't stop thinking about what she said and now, now the, uh, the writer of Proverbs is writing it and we're preaching about it. It was the same kind of thing for me. I can forget all kinds of things that I've talked to my family and my dad about, but this one just constantly rings in my head because it mattered, because he was bold, because he wanted to talk about something other than the Lakers. <laughs> he wanted to talk about something other than, uh, you know, cars or finance or whatever it is. Ultimately, this was part of what God used to lead me to Jesus, was having conversations like this that mattered, forcing me to look in a mirror um, about life and about relationship, right? So here's what I want to do. I want to look at just three of the deep things that this mother had to say uh, to her son here in Proverbs chapter 31. And there's so many more, but let's just look at three of them. Verse three, she says, son, do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. She's saying, son, be a man. Dang. How many mothers have said, son, be a man. Daughter, start acting like a woman and stop acting like a child. She says, do not give your strength to women. God's giving you things as a man that belong to you. Don't make the mistake of forfeiting them through womanizing, right? You're a man, you have strength, but you can lose that strength as you spread it amongst many women in a way that is not honoring to God. She says, son, don't hand over your role that belongs to you as a man. Don't give that to a woman. She has a role of her own. You have a role. Be a man. Wow. God gave you strength. You need to honor that. And he gave it to you for a reason. Don't forfeit it. She says, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. She says, in every area of your life, son, you're supposed to remember that you are a king and you're supposed to live like one. Don't live in a way that destroys kings. Son, you're a king. Christian man, you are a priest. Christian woman, you are a priestess. You are a queen. You are called to live as if. And this is what the mother is saying to the son. Don't live in such a way that destroys kings, that crumbles kingdoms. 
it seems like in, in our history, in our past, in most of our relationships, um, what, what we consider a good mother, what we consider a good father is someone who's there for you to pick up the pieces with you when it all comes crashing down. When your marriage has fallen apart, when you've wasted all of your resources, when you're sick and destitute and depressed, a good mother and a good father is there with you to say, son, I love you. Daughter, I love you. Let me pick up the pieces and dust you off. No, how about if we have tough, deep conversations the whole time? You're a king, you're a queen. Stop acting as if you're something less than that. How many of you have consistently spoken to your children this way? How many of us can remember having these kind of conversations with our own parents? Let's jump down to verse 8. She says, son, open your mouth for the speechless and in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth and judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. So she shifts from this focus on uh, behavior and on conduct and how he should be um, kind of living and making decisions to the condition of his heart when it comes to caring for others. So she's not just going to say, hey, I want you to live uh, what I consider to be morally, right, with your body and with the decisions you make. She says, no, I'm also going to talk to you about deep things when it comes to your heart, the condition of your heart. How do you feel, son, about other people? How do you feel, daughter, about other people? She says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to risk everything to speak for those without a voice. She's not ignorant that he's a king, that he has resources, right? That he has position, that he has title. But she says, son, the kind of heart that I want you to have is the heart that will speak for those that can't speak for themselves. And if you do that, there's going to be a cost associated with it. Right now, I'm reminded of uh, one of the big issues in our society right now is bullying at school, right? But how many parents are saying, listen, if I hear that somebody's getting bullied at your school and you didn't do anything about it, there's going to be a problem. No, what we say is, tell us if you're getting bullied and don't be a bully. But that condition of the heart where you say, it doesn't matter if it's you that's being bullied or if it's you that has that heart condition that will bully somebody, no matter what, if you see it happening, speak up for those people. Be an ambassador for Christ. Risk your relationships and your friendships. I don't care if you're cool and you hang out with the cool kids. If you see somebody who's not and who's being oppressed or abused, you better do something about it. That's what this mother is saying to her son. She says, judge with righteousness rather than basing your judgment on your perspective or on your favored relationships, right? Man, she's, she ain't playing around. She's not being superficial. She says, judge righteously. She says, son, there's going to be times where you want to choose your wife over some other person that she's having a, a, an issue with, but you got to judge righteously. There's going to be times where you want to defend your kids or your friends, but right is right and wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter about your perspective or your history, right? Or your favored relationship, judge righteously. 
Aren't we so often the opposite? Hey, family first. I don't care if we're wrong. It's right or die. <laughs> Jesus says, man, who, who is my mother and who is my brother? It's those who do the will of God. It's about serving the Lord. It's about righteousness. It's about holiness. And that's what our bond is. And this woman, wow, she's special. Proverbs 31, mama here. Going deep with her son. And then finally she says, son, and I actually want you to do something for the poor and for the needy. Right? Do something, son. Don't just say, I wish it was different. Don't just say, you know what? We've got a homelessness problem. Don't just say, man, don't you know there's people who are hungry out there? No, do something, son. Plead their cause. <laughs> Make some change happen. Resource them, feed them, do something, son. Do we even ask our kids about giving to others or giving into the kingdom? If someone were to come into your home and, and ask your kids, hey, when's the last time your parents talked to you about, about blessing other people, about giving of the things that you have to others, about giving of your resources into the kingdom of God? Now, this isn't just to pat my wife on the back, but we rolled up to the church this morning. There's just us going to be here. We were about to get out of the car, and my wife, Mary, she says to Nate, Nate, everything that in, that's in your wallet belongs to the Lord. You better make sure that you give to God this morning. And Nate, he's heard it before, so he's like, I got it, Mom. And I kind of, you know, I paused for a second and thought about that, like, man, my kids hear about that all the time. I can remember being a kid and, and uh, there were a few times where we'd show up at church, mom kicked me down with $2 and she said, make sure you put this in the plate. And then I'd put $1 in the plate and the other one, Butterfingers. <laughs> As we are looking at ourselves during this time of this coronavirus, considering our actions, li listening to things like this where this mother is going deep, I wonder how many of us, when we're calling our friends right now, right? We're checking on, hey, how you doing, brother? How you doing, sister? What's going on in your life? Hey, did, uh, did, is everything okay? I heard you might have lost your job or your hours were, were cut back a little bit. Um, hey, were you able to get unemployment? All that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, we care, right? We're checking on people. But I wonder how many of us are asking them, but, but hey, I'm, I'm glad to hear all that. And, and it sounds like you're going to be okay. Maybe there's something I could do for you. But hey, have you been being faithful with the resources you do have when it comes to your relationship with God? Like, that's deep. That's not superficial. Hey, I'm glad to hear that you're still working. Or, man, I'm sorry to hear that your, that your hours were cut. Or, hey, well, it's wonderful that you got, you got that unemployment and that already kicked in. I just wanted to ask you, man, are, are you being faithful to God? How do you feel about that, even in a time like this? How about when we talk to people like, oh, yeah, I'm still working and everything's okay. And man, God has blessed us. And, and you know, I'm just so grateful. I'm so thankful. Do we take that next step and say, oh, that's great. That's amazing. But, but I'm glad to hear that you're okay. Have you checked on anybody that's not okay? And what are you doing for, for those who are suffering right now? Man, we need to let that superficiality burn. Or is that not our place? That's not a place for a, for a mother. That's not a place for a father. That's not a place for a leader. That's not a place for a friend. 
Think back to when we had opportunities to say things that mattered to friends and family and we didn't and where they ended up. I think back to all the opportunities that my friends and family had to say things to me and where I ended up. It's not their fault. I'm a man on my own. I make my own decisions and I have to deal with those consequences. But it would be nice to be able to look back and say, man, these people were trying to tell me. (laughs) It's too deep. Last one for, for Proverbs 31. Like I said, there's so many things we could talk about. Let's look at verse 10. It says, who, this, this, again, this mother says to her son, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies, and the heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. So after this, we know she goes into all these other qualifications and characteristics that pertain to this woman of God and a virtuous wife. But this beginning portion kind of says a lot. Virtue is about having something um, that money can't buy. Virtue is about having something that has to come from God and it has to be sustained by God. Okay? So you can't just go take a class. You can't just go uh, buy a book. It's, it's virtue. It has to come from God. And even if you receive it from God, if you don't stay in communion with God, if you don't stay connected to God, if you don't let him care for that and nurture that, it will also be lost. So when she says, who can find a virtuous wife? She's saying, who can find a woman that has received the things that come from God and came specifically to her, just like that strength came from God to you. He's given virtue to this woman, right? Who can find a woman that understands that, embraces that, and is, is caring and caring for and maintaining that? He says, son, find a woman that has this and understands this. Deep conversations, depth of, of understanding, which is talking to her son, when you're talking to your son, when you're talking to your daughter. She says, if you do this, you'll have trust, you'll have peace, and you'll lack nothing. See, the value of being able to go from superficial to deep is so amazing. And the results and what this produces. And I feel like in many ways, that's why one of the reasons this fire has come is God is saying, man, I need, I need and I want and I desire for my people to be able to go deep and to not be superficial. The same thing that this conversation is going to result in in this, in this man's life, right? All these things can come from depth of relationship, depth of communication, every area of your life. And God is trying to speak into it, I believe. So what's going to be the result of that? If we, if we embrace this fire, we get over superficial, we try to have conversations that matter, we set aside time so that God can bring conversations that matter, right? We're not saying that what you need to do is every time you run into somebody, hey, I want to talk to you about something deep. <laughs> no, but like I said earlier, if I'm used to, to running into people at church and it says, hey, how are you doing? Oh, that's great. I'm glad that you're okay and I'm off to the next thing. Then you're never going to be able to have conversations that matter. You have to actually set aside time to talk to people and to listen to people and to feel the presence of God within a conversation. So what will happen if we can do that? We will lose the superficial 
And I believe that we will gain eyes that can see and ears that can hear, right? Every week, it's about what, we, what we're going to lose, what we're hoping to lose, but also what we can and what we're hoping to gain. Eyes that see and ears that hear. How do we get that? It's, it's one side of it is to let superficiality burn, but there's another side. If you're going to gain this, if you're going to take this gold out of the fire, there's something that we've got to do. How does it happen? I think it's a combination of the work of God, right? The work of our spiritual leaders, and then hopefully, again, the work of our mothers and the work of our fathers. That's how we develop ears that hear and eyes that can see the type of things that we're talking about today. Let's jump down to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to read 10 verses. 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting at verse 1. It says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Isn't that kind of what we're talking about today? Uh, depth of conversation is rare in these days. Talking about things that matter is rare in these days. So it says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, while Samuel was lying down, the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, Eli said, I did not call you. Go lie down. And he went in and he laid down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you called me. He said, I did not call you, son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose, he went to Eli and he said, here I am for you did call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak Lord for your servant hears. So Samuel went, he laid down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. Right. So again, it's not just trying to be deep and getting away from the superficial and letting that burn. It's also on this other side, if we're going to gain eyes that see and ears that hear, right? We've got to go through this process of God doing something in our lives, our spiritual leaders doing something in our lives, and our parents who are responsible for us at different times and in different ways doing something in our lives. So first off, God speaks. We have to train ourselves to be able to hear the voice of God. In this story, you know, we can, we can easily look over it, but, but God is actually calling this person by name, like he's calling you by name, like he's calling me by name. But there's times where we don't understand that it's God because it sounds a lot like our wife. <laughs> it sounds a lot like our husband. It sounds a lot like our boss. And we have this, um, we have these feelings about those voices and what they always say and how they always make us feel. So, so 
Samuel comes running to Eli and he says, you called me. But it's not Eli that was calling him. It was God that was calling him. It says that it says in the scripture here that that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. God's speaking. He lives in the house of God. He's at the church. <laughs> but yet he still doesn't know the Lord and he still doesn't really know his voice. We have to train ourselves to be able to hear the voice of God. The way that that works today, primarily God is speaking through his word. If we will not get into this, we will not understand what he's saying. We won't know what his voice sounds like. We may be thinking that my, my brother is, is trying to talk to me right now and trying to say something to me. But if I'm in the word of God, I realize that actually God is speaking through my brother when he's talking to me right now. In order to understand and to be able to hear and identify the voice of God, we've got to get used to listening to it. We can find ourselves like Samuel in the church, but not recognizing the voice of God. It's crazy. You want ears that hear, you want eyes that see, train yourself, get used to hearing the voice of God, right? This is the primary way that the Lord is speaking to us. So beyond that, I said, it's the work of God, right? Speaking to us, calling us by name, getting used to hearing his voice. Then I said that it's the work of our spiritual leaders. God is using spiritual leadership to help us be able to hear his voice and understand what he's saying. So in this story, Eli's there and Eli is not perfect either, but he's the spiritual leader. He's the priest. He's the one that has been tasked with caring for um, Samuel. So initially he comes and again, Eli's human. He's tired. He's like, man, I'm trying to sleep. Samuel, go back to bed. I didn't call you. Samuel, go back to bed. I didn't call you. But then Samuel, or excuse me, Eli begins to say, you know what? God might be up to something here. God might be trying to do something in Samuel's life. Lord, is that you calling this young man? Is there something that you want to do? How can I be used to help him hear your voice better, Lord? So then Samuel comes again and, and Eli says to him, listen, it's not me calling you. It's the Lord. It sounds like my voice, but believe me, it's not my voice. It's the Lord. Here's what I want you to do. And if you're obedient and you'll do it, something will change in your life. The next time you hear something, even though it might sound like me, you need to say to God, speak, Lord, for your son and your servant hears and your son and your servant is listening. So many times, I think in this day and age, probably more than any other day and age, people want to bypass this step. I don't need a spiritual leader. I don't need a spiritual father. I don't need a spiritual mother. I don't need a pastor. I don't need a church. God is so big that he'll just speak directly to me all the time because I'm special. I don't have to go by the word of God, which teaches me that that's just not the case. We can allow the fire to burn superficiality and still not be able to hear or see God and miss the whole point and value of it. Because we won't humble ourselves. Jesus talks a lot about being uh, little children or children in the faith and coming that way. And here's a child that's trusting his spiritual leader to lead him into a deeper and better relationship with God. So powerful. So then the last thing I, I, I said, we got to learn and train ourselves to hear God, right? 
We have to position ourselves to be led and guided and helped by spiritual leadership that God has placed. And then finally, I said that we also need mothers and we also need fathers that can help us in this process of developing ears that hear and eyes that see. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, I'm not going to put the scripture up for you guys, but in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we read the story of how Samuel actually came to live at the church, how he came to be in a position to be placed uh, under Eli, and ultimately how he became a position to be in a place where God would be able to speak directly to him and have this kind of uh, unity and communication. And the story is about a barren mother named Hannah, right? This woman was barren and she was dealing with all of the, um, the difficulties that come along in that uh, context with being barren. And she would come before God and she would pray and she would pray and she would pray and she would cry and she would just, she would not hold anything back for the desires of her heart and what she was lacking. She kept bringing it to God to the point where even the priest would say, she looks like she's drunk and she looks like she's out of control. She needs to get out of here. But she's saying, I'm just broken. Earlier uh, this morning, Mary said that that's what the Lord desires, right? A brokenness, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That was Hannah broken before the Lord. I don't care who sees me. I'm going to cry on the altar. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to beg if I have to. And the Lord hears her prayers and gives her this miracle child. So what this, this mother decides to do is rather than saying, thank you for this God. Now it's mine. I'm going to do what I want with it. This is what I always wanted. And now I've got it. Thank you, Lord. I need a job and I need resources. You get the job. Thank you. It's all mine now. Nothing's coming back to the kingdom. She didn't do that. She says, Lord, if you give me this child, I'll give him back to you. I'll dedicate him to you, that he would be a servant unto you and unto your house and for the kingdom of God. She gets this child and and she says, Lord, I know what I promised and I'm not going to go back on it. However, can I spend just a little bit more time with him? Can I wean him? Can I get him to a certain age, right, where he'd be able to go and not be with his mother physically and be with this spiritual leader physically there at the church? And the Lord granted her that. So it says that she weaned him. She drops him off at the church. It reminds me right now of uh, all the, the memes that are going on right now that say as soon as the school is open back up and the car comes pulling in and the kids get thrown out, it's like, that was kind of like what Hannah did. She drops him off at the church. She says, I'm out. And then he begins to have this relationship with Eli and he begins to have this relationship with God. So ultimately, it's this partnership. Parents have a responsibility in how their kids are going to learn about God, love God, serve God, and grow in the things of God. And that responsibility is not just when they're young, not just when they're small. It's never too late. We heard, we heard a story in Proverbs 31 where a woman is talking to a son who's a king. We hear a story here in 1 Samuel chapter 1 where a woman is dealing with a child and bringing him to the church. I told you a story earlier about my mother sending me a message as a grown man and as a pastor, and she's impacting me as a mother, leading me into repentance and forgiveness, leading me into being more of a man of God that I should be. It's the same thing for fathers. It's the same thing for mothers that we have this role. And the same way that, that uh, uh, in Proverbs 31, the mother says, don't give your strength to women. It's the same thing. Don't forfeit 
the blessing that God has given you as a parent through every stage of your relationship with your kids. This is how we become able to see and how we become able to hear. So I challenge you as we close, we're going to bring this to a close, to ask yourself as parents, ask yourselves as sons and daughters of God, ask yourselves as Christians, are you, are you beginning to identify the voice of God? No matter who it sounds like is talking to you, are you saying, is that you, Lord? Are you finding yourself trusting that God has given you some type of spiritual leader and some type of spiritual leadership that is um, imperative when it comes to your walk with God and your relationship with God and your ability to discern his voice along with his word? And finally, what is your relationship like with your actual mother, your actual father? And what is your relationship like with your actual children as a mother and as a father? Are these three, are these three working together that superficiality would be burned up and that an ability to hear and see uh, would come through and be received after this fire? So let's close. What is, the, what is the encouragement? What is the, the word that I have for you, um, hopefully to remember? It's turn and be healed. Turn and be healed. This is Acts chapter 3, verse 18 through 20. Turn and be healed. It says, But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted. Turn and be healed. <laughs> Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus to you. So it says that the prophets have shared some deep and challenging truths with us, right? Those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, they're real, they're deep, they're challenging, they are not superficial. Right? Pastors today, Teachers, elders, leaders, week after week are sharing deep and challenging truths with us. And more now than ever, superficiality is burning up. We're going to be hearing deep and challenging things from our mothers, from our fathers, from our friends, from our bosses. Right? It's happening, just like the scripture here in Acts says that it was happening. And if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, we can turn and be healed. Like that's that's the ultimate next step. Get away from the superficial. Come into these deeper things, these things that matter. Right. Begin to hear the voice of God, begin to see him moving and working. And what is it that God wants to do when you can hear his voice and when you can see him and when you can hear him? He wants you to be healed. You plug that into whatever area of your life that needs healing, and that's how he wants to bring it into our lives. Let's look at Jesus, and then we'll pray. This is Matthew 13, 13. This is how Jesus puts the same, um, the same idea of turn and be healed. Matthew 13, 13, he says, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and you shall not understand, and seeing you will see, and you shall not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed. Otherwise, 
They would see with their eyes, hear with their ears. They should turn, understand with their hearts, turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are you if your eyes see and your ears hear. Jesus says, I speak in such a way that many people don't understand. I speak in parables. I speak in a, in a, in a language that only those who have been studying my language will be able to understand. Those who try to listen and try to hear without being able to do that, they hear, but they don't understand. They see and they get no revelation. He says the opposite of that, though, right? If you see and get revelation, if you hear and understand, you will turn to me and I will heal you. He says, and those are the ones who are blessed. In this season of the coronavirus, in this season of fire, I think we're redefining what it means to be blessed. Those who are hearing God, those who are seeing God, those who have a relationship and are taking their rightful authority as parents, taking their rightful authority um, as mothers and as fathers, those who are coming under spiritual leadership, those who are looking for direction, and those who are training themselves to hear the word of God, they see and they hear, and those are the ones who are blessed. We're going to pray. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as always, we thank you for your word, and we just want to take an opportunity, Lord, for salvation. We want to give opportunity and make way and give space to anyone right now who would like to turn and be healed. Lord, you say that you speak for that reason, Lord, not to bring condemnation, but revelation, that people would turn to you and say, Lord, help, I'm in need. In Psalm chapter 102, the psalmist says, my days are like a shadow that lengthens and I wither away like grass. Many of us, Lord, we feel that way. We find ourselves in a dark place. We find ourselves in this shadow and the shadow is lengthening. We see no hope. We see no ability to get out of it. We see no light at the end of the tunnel. And if there is any light, it's too far beyond us. Every time we take a step, that shadow extends. Our burdens are heavier than we can carry, Lord. Our strength is dwindling down. But Jesus, you don't say run faster. You don't say get stronger. You say turn and be healed. You say that our hope comes from the Lord. That it's in repentance, it's in turning that we find and see and embrace light. Not in our efforts, not by what we have done or can do, Lord, but by what you have done and what you can do for us right here, right now, Lord. If that's you, you want to be saved, you want to begin to hear the voice of God, you're looking for God to send you someone that would be able to help you, guide you, love you, support you. That opportunity is available to you right now. All you've got to do is turn. Turn to Jesus. It's actually you that's casting that shadow. The light is behind you. 
but when it hits hits you when you're facing the wrong direction there's nothing but shadow there's nothing but darkness but if you would turn the lord would shine upon you you'd see his countenance he's not angry with you he loves you the scriptures say he doesn't come to judge you or condemn you he's already judged the enemy he's already judged sin he's already paid the penalty all he wants to do is bestow love and grace and salvation upon you So I encourage you right where you are just talk to him Roman says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord you will be saved if you believe that this morning if you would confess that with your mouth speak to the Lord you will be saved he'll confirm that for you he's closer than you could ever imagine he's right behind you turn and be healed. Lord, I want to pray that same word over those who are already saved, who have already come to you, Lord, who have already been illuminated and seen that light, felt forgiveness, felt burdens and sin lifted uh, upon you and off of them, Lord God. The same word holds true. We need to turn again and be healed again. If we find ourselves in any kind of darkness, Lord, you are not far from us. You are our ever-present help in every time of need, Lord. Wherever we are in this building, wherever we are in our homes, wherever we are listening to this, Lord God, watching this, whatever it might be, you are present, Lord. Help us to turn to you. Mm. That we would be enveloped in your light, enveloped in your love, enveloped in your presence, Lord Jesus. You're alive and well. You're alive and well. So as we release you, we're going to give you a moment to uh, receive communion. If you've got it there with you and ready for you and for your family, maybe you and your spouse, maybe you and your mother today, what a blessing it would be if you're going to be able to get out and actually see mom, uh, that maybe you have communion with her. Talk to her about something deep. Ask her to share something with you of, of wisdom. But we're going to take that opportunity right now. Lord, we thank you for your body, again, that was broken for us, Lord. That you hung on that cross, Lord. That you gave everything that you had. We thank you for your blood that was spilled for us, Lord. The pain that you endured. Mm. We receive this communion in, in remembrance of you, Lord God. We also receive it in remembrance of what was birthed because of that. New life was, was birthed, Lord. Indestructible life was birthed, Lord. Resurrection power, Lord, was seen upon this planet like never before. How fitting, Lord, as we celebrate Mother's and Mother's Day and life coming into the world, that we're reminded in communion that you rose, that you're alive, and that you're well. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way.